0: So glad you've joined us for this online message. Let's go to John 10, 11 through 18. We're continuing our series in the Gospel of John, a series we're calling the Book of Life. In this particular section, we're looking at Jesus using a figure of speech based on everyday life in that society. So everyone would have been familiar with the, the pictures he's using in John 10, 1 through 10, with a shepherd and sheep and a pasture and a gate and an enclosure and and all of all of these things. This would have been normal everyday life for them. But they didn't understand what he meant by, these, by this illustration, by this figure of speech, as we see in John 10, 1 through 5, it says in verse 6 that he did, they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So he gives two explanations about this picture, about this parable that he has given to them. The first is in John 10, 7 through 10 where he explains that he is the gate. He says, I am the gate. The second one is in John 10, 11 through 18, where he explains, I am the good shepherd. So we're going to be looking at that second explanation today, John 10, 11 through 18, and what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd. There's times all throughout the Gospel of John where Jesus uses these I am statements to explain who he is and what he came to do. So there are... Seven times where Jesus uses the I am statements in a metaphorical sense. He uses a word picture to describe who he is. He says, I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the light of the world, John eight twelve. And here he says, I am the good shepherd. Last week in John 10, 7, we saw he said, that he said, I am the gate. There are also a number of times where he uses the I am statements in an unqualified sense and simply says ego Ami in Greek. I am referring back to Isaiah and ultimately to Exodus 3:14, where Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, the creator of heaven and earth, the covenant God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob reveals his name to Moses as the great I am. And so we see Jesus claiming to be God in human nature and human flesh before them. So let's go to the text this morning. In John 10 11 through 18, we're going to see Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. What we're going to see in this passage is we're going to see four ways that Jesus shepherds us to life. Four ways that Jesus shepherds us into life like God intended. That's the mission of our church. It's based on John 10, 10. It says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come. They may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus came so that we might find life like God intended. How does Jesus lead us into, shepherd us into life like God intended? We see four things here in John 10, 11 through 18. The first thing is that the good shepherd dies for the sheep. The good shepherd dies for the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 11. There are two kinds of shepherds. There are good shepherds, and there are bad shepherds. Israel had had, had, had its experiences with bad shepherds. Ezekiel 34 verse 4 says that they ate the fat, they wear the wool, they butcher the fattened animals, but they have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you, God speaking to the shepherds, have ruled them with violence and cruelty. The good shepherd is here contrasted with the bad shepherd. The bad shepherd feeds himself rather than the flock. The good shepherd feeds the flock. He gives his life for the flock, for their flourishing and the fullness of life. The the bad shepherds take and the good shepherds give. The good shepherd offers not just his stuff, but his very self. He gives his life. Literally, the, the Greek word there can be translated soul. He gives his life. He gives everything he has for the sake of the sheep. And and what we see here is that this is pointing toward what Jesus ultimately did for us in the cross. He gave his life through crucifixion, that ancient Roman method of execution, crucifixion, where they nailed spikes into his wrists and into his ankles and hung him up to die as he bore the wrath of God against sin. And he cried out, It is finished. And he bore the weight of the wrath of God against sin so that we might turn from our sin and trust in him and be forgiven of our sin and given eternal life. They killed him, they crucified him, they buried him, and then they raised him from the dead. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In contrast to the good shepherd, Jesus brings up this, this picture of a hired hand. Look at verses 12 and 13. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches them and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. There's an infinity of difference between a mommy and a nanny. A nanny's there because she's paid. A mommy's there because she is all in and loves these kids with all that she has. You can't pay a parent enough to abandon their kids. A nanny goes home when she's off the clock. A hired hand, he'll take care of the sheep. She'll take care of the sheep while the paycheck's coming in. But as soon as there's danger, as soon as it costs them something rather than benefits them, the hired hand will run away and leave the sheep. There has to be a payday for the hired hand to stick around. A nanny might care for the kids, but if there's no payday, no matter how much that that nanny might care about the kids, that nanny needs to make money and provide for the, the needs of life, and so that nanny will leave. For the hired hand, payday is about getting. But for the good shepherd, payday is about giving. Jesus paid the price of our sin through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. The good shepherd paid any price. He paid the price. He paid the price of his life. There's a three-headed wolf on the prowl against the people of God and trying to, trying to get at the sheep of God. Satan's sin and death. They're lurking. They're waiting to pick off the weak and the vulnerable of God's people. And the good shepherd gives his life For the sheep, and in the cross, burial, and resurrection, he destroyed the work of Satan, sin, and death. He died on the cross and he gave his life to crucify death itself. This is what Jesus did for us. He paid to have us, to keep us, and he paid more than anyone else rightfully should have. So that's the first thing the Good Shepherd dies for the sheep. The second thing, the Good Shepherd offers intimacy. To the sheep, verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you do you see what what he said there? I don't know if you caught it. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Do you see what Jesus is inviting us into? He's inviting us into the intimacy of the uninterrupted, eternal communion and intimacy of the Trinity itself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, eternally living in life and love as one God in three persons. The Father begetting the Son, and the Father and the Son breathing out the Spirit in this eternal life of God, one God in three persons. At the cost, uh, and and what, what God offers to us at the cost of the life of the incarnate Son of God is intimacy and knowledge of God that we could never have had without him. Don't ever treat the opportunity to know God lightly, to get to know God lightly. It cost the life of Christ for us to know God And have intimacy with God. He's offering intimacy to you. He knows everything about you. Um, As Mr. Rogers would say, he knows the way you are right now, way down deep inside of you. Sometimes I get on a Mr. Rogers uh, nostalgic kick and I'll go and I'll watch old videos. And I was one time uh, was watching this video of uh, Mr. Rogers with the... um, The TV show host Joan Rivers and with Joan Rivers he was there and he was singing to her and he says "Um, not your jokes they're just beside you not your things that hide you not the toys they're just beside you not your kids they're just beside you The way you are right now, way down deep inside you. Not your clients. They're just beside you. Not your books. They're just beside you. Not your pills. They're just beside you. God knows you and he loves you the way you are right now. So I quote from a pastor named David Cassidy that I posted earlier this week on social media and he said Jesus isn't disillusioned with you because he had no illusions to begin with God isn't God isn't deluded as to how messed up and sinful we are. He knows things about ourselves that we'll never even realize. Things sometimes, I don't know if you've had this experience where you get this glimpse into the utter darkness of your own heart and and how wicked and malicious and, and hurtful you can really be. And you're like, whoa, is that really inside of me? You know, God knew that was there the whole time. You don't have to pretend with Jesus. Not only do you not have to pretend with Jesus, you can't pretend with Jesus. He knows you inside, way down deep inside of you. Not the things that hide you. You know, you can put filters on Instagram, but you can't put a filter before the Father, before the Son, and before the Holy Spirit. And the Good Shepherd shepherds us into life like God intended by laying down His life for us and offering us intimacy with God. The third thing, the good shepherd loves sheep with every color of wool. He says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. In context here, what he's referring to is the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, the, 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 the people who ethnically did not descend from Abraham, the chosen one. And and so he's saying, I'm going to bring all of the, the Gentiles into my family, into the fold of my people, into the promises and purposes and presence of my father. And, and so in context here, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to bring to myself the Gentiles. And we see throughout the scripture that this is a prime purpose of God in the gospel, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 is one of the most clear places where we see that God says that he intends to bring the nations to himself and to reunite Jews and Gentiles into a new humanity. And the good news is that anyone can get to know God through Jesus, whether they're black or white, whether they're old or young, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're a Republican or whether they're a Democrat, Jesus loves every type of person. And anyone who will turn from their sin and trust in him will be forgiven of their sin and given eternal life and reunited to the family of God. And if this is what Jesus' mission is, we should be willing to cultivate a church that looks like heaven is going to look. Look at what Revelation 7-9 says says, there was a great multitude whom no one could number from every tongue, tribe, family, and nation. And they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Crying out, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. There's a divide in our nation. There's a divide in our community. It's an ethnic divide. It's an economic divide. People are divided based on the color of their skin and the culture of their family and their, their heritage. They're divided by the economic buying power that they have. People are divided, and the Church of Jesus Christ should be one so that the world will know that the Father sent the Son. The purpose of God and the gospel is to reunite people to himself through salvation, and to reunite people with one another in reconciliation. That's why our mission is to help people find life like God intended by bringing people to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ and bringing people together in authentic community and then to send people out on the joyful mission that God has for them in the world. Some have said, Billy Graham said, Martin Luther King said, That 11 a.m., the typical church hour, was the most segregated hour of the week. Things have gotten a little better, but not much. We've seen in our nation just in the last few months how fractured we are along racial lines. And these things should not be true of the church where the Good Shepherd has sheep who are not of this sheep pen and is calling them to himself and he's using us to reunite a new humanity together. Fourth the good shepherd shows the power and the love of God. It says in verses 17 and 18, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. What's shocking about the reality and the revelation of the power and the love of God is that both are seen primarily and fully in the cross of Jesus Christ. The powerful nature of divine love and the loving nature of divine power are displayed in the crucified man from Nazareth who gave his life on the cross. He says the Father loves me because I'm offering myself to crucifixion for the purpose of resurrection Now, what he doesn't mean there is that the Father eternally loves the eternal Son because of the cross. He's referring to his incarnation. The Father loves the incarnate Son in light of the cross. The incarnate Son who was fully God and fully man, who was eternally begotten of the Father before all ages and was begotten in time of the Virgin Mary in the fullness of time when God's plan called for it to happen. The incarnation, the Son of God becoming the Son of Man, demonstrates the power and the love of God and was the only way God could save us. St. Augustine said that Jesus had to be both God and man in order to accomplish our salvation. He had to be man so that he would be powerless enough to be able to die. Because God can't die. God is unkillable. He is he is life itself. You cannot kill life itself. It's impossible to kill God. So, so, the, so the Son, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, had to become a man to become powerless enough to be a human being who is fragile and able to be killed. But he also had to be fully God, Augustine said, so that nobody would say, well, he just wasn't powerful enough to save himself. No, he was in his divine nature. He was more powerful than the forces that were at work putting him on the cross. But he willingly, with the authority of God and the authority of the anointed king, gave his life to crucifixion. He says, I have the right to lay it down. I have the authority. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me. The only person who had the authority to take the life of the Son was God. And God laid down the life of the Son. The Son laid down His life so that we might be saved. He says, I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. In His incarnation, the the, the Father commands the Son to go to the cross. The older theologians used sometimes have called this This agreement between the Father and the Son and the Spirit to accomplish our salvation before the creation of the world, the covenant of redemption, the eternal covenant between the Father and the Son that they would make the world and then save the world. This is the kind of shepherd we need. We need a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, who offers intimacy to the sheep, who loves sheep of every color of wool. And who shows the love and the power of God. So the question is, do you hear his voice? Are you too buried in your own stuff to recognize it? When I was a kid in elementary school, we were going on a field trip. And I was really bummed out because I found out that a few of my good friends were going in this one vehicle, in this one van... And that I was supposed to be going with someone else. Well, my mom was there at the time. And and so I ran to my mom and I was, I don't know, maybe first or second grade. And I reached around her and I just buried myself in her and just cried because I was so disappointed. Like just a little kid crying because I wasn't getting to be with my friends. What I didn't realize while I was crying with my mom, my teacher had been standing at the top of the stairs calling to me saying, Danny, Danny, well, I, I didn't hear her. And so my friends left in the van. She said, Danny, there was a room, there was space for you. There was a seat for you in the van, but you were down with your mom and you didn't hear me. I wonder how many of you and how often we all are so buried in our own self-pity, in our own stuff, in our own problems, in our own situations that we don't hear the voice of the shepherd calling us into life like God intended. He is calling you into life. Will you turn and trust in him? God designed us for life, an abundant life with him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended, united in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists.